0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How many are you, are you away from completing it?
1: Loads, mate. Like. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> oh, John McGinn. Hey. So the first question we've got on here is who is your realistic ideal signing? Is, it, is he in there? Is there one
1: <laughs> oh, no, we have got a good one. Bit of a sick note, but, you know, we move to Aaron Ramsey. It's you not know, horrible, money, is it? Though. Yeah, but you, know, well, you know what? It's not mine, is it? So... <laughs>
0: okay, all right. Shall we get cracking with the actual podcast? <laughs> you are listening to current and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the current and Blue podcast. My name is Dan and I'm joined once again by James Rushton. James, how are you, pal? All good, thank you. How you doing?
1: Uh, I, I've right. just asked you the same question, but uh, all right, mate. No no filler on the go. My my mind's all mixed up, stir-fry. Yeah,
0: it's uh, all on England at the moment. We'll, we will talk about England during this podcast. You can see that England fever has gripped my little home office self. I've put an England shirt in the background instead of a bit of one, so I've sort of got to get in the mode now that we're in uh, into the quarterfinal. Um, we're here again for another comment show another questions and answer sessions. We've had a lot of questions sent in over the last 24 hours or so, but tell us a little bit about this little link that you've set up and how people can get involved with future episodes.
1: Yeah, because we did the comment show, but it's just, it has just been YouTube comments and there's nothing wrong with that. Love our YouTube comments, but you know, we interact with people on Twitter and people will listen to the, would you believe it? They listen to the podcast and don't (laughs) see our our beautiful faces and there's no way to interact. So we made a little form store your uh, questions so we can come back to them as well like that, that's the cool thing that they're there they've got a record of them and i think dan will put it in the show notes or the description yeah. so you yeah, can get no. involved that way
0: uh, the first question we've already touched on this in the little intro we did as you were flicking through your sticker book uh is from a avfc it says who are your realistic ideal signings um i'm gonna let you go for this one because <laughs> i don't know anymore. i don't know what we need i don't know who we need i just like that they're getting their business done relatively early and I'll be happy with whoever the coaching staff deem fit to come and play for Aston Villa.
1: I didn't realise how kind of mad it would be during the tournament, not in yeah. your Premier League club, because it's like you have all that drama, then the Euros happen, and you get that shot aimed at you, that Jack Grealish one, and you've got no no response. Who are we buying? Um I think the the big rumors will come back after the tournament, surely. Um yeah. we'll see we'll see some movement then. But the realistic one. I know I joked about Aaron Ramsey then probably I don't I don't know how realistic that is, but I'm I'm leaning towards that Julian Alvarez, if nothing, because he seems really like an intriguing little uh, prospect to put out on the wing. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm delighted by that one, that link anyway. Um, the Ashley Young one, I know it's, he's now a, a Villa player, but that was kind of one that really excited me as well. I know we spoke about it at length, but it was just that kind of chance for his uh, his Villa redemption. So I've already got kind of one and two because Buendia as well. Fantastic mm. that was that was the one I wanted so
0: yeah Christmas has come yeah. early
1: mate for me. Tournaments are really hot like traditionally awful times to uh to buy footballers as well because I remember that lad um, who played for the Trinidad and Tobago Chris Birchall and he played I don't know who he's playing for but he got a decent move after the uh, tournament. It's like just because he featured, which is just yeah. it's wild what it does, what it has done. To um to, to the transfer market in the past is it inflates prices and it makes people's reputation boosted just because they're knocking around in the tournament, which is no place to judge a player because it's it's unique. It exists in its own little bubble. It's far away from you know the rigmarole of the Premier League. So yeah, I, I wouldn't get too excited by anyone at the tournament or any links for Villa based on players at the tournament. We'll wait till after when it's a bit more uh, sensible.
0: I'm, I'm laughing because I'm going to follow up with a question that was due later on in the episode because these are all pretty much random, but I've just spotted it. From Sam Young, who says, is there anyone from the Euros at the most that you'd like <laughs> to to sign? Damsgaard from Denmark looks an exciting prospect. He does look very good, to be fair. Um, is there anyone from the Euros? You just said that you that it's this little bubble that you wouldn't look at, but if you were to look at it, who has impressed you? Uh,
1: Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling. <laughs> I've been all right. No, I think, to, to be fair, the players that stood out like for me are players that like... Villa are strong and they're strong at fairly strong at centre back. You you don't need another starting centre back or a starting goalkeeper. Um, I'm not sure how to say his name, but the the Finland goalkeeper, mm. I think it's Rideski, and it's it's not spout like that, but it's R- Rideski or something. Um, he had a really good tournament. I think Glenn Kamara was all right as well. Um, team Puki, he uh, he was he was kind of it. I only it looks from this that I've only watched Finland, and I think that <laughs> that's pretty much true. I only really concentrated on Finland, um, but. The, the goalkeeper, especially, kind of stood out for me. But the, you know, the good players have, have been mostly uh, like teams that are probably out of reach for uh, Aston Villa at the moment.
0: Yeah, the two names like, that came straight to my mind again to play players that are probably out of our reach. It makes me look like I've only watched Italy. Uh, left back, Binazola, and Locatello. Yeah. Both great um, players, but I don't think we'll yeah. ever end up at them. Villa. Uh, we'll move on to our third question of the episode. This is one that I think Ash Priest is going to talk about at length in a future episode. Uh, from Ethan, he says, when is the Inner City Academy being built? You got a, a slight update or any info on this, James?
1: No, but we'll be doing a uh AVFC Extra, hopefully, with uh, Ash speaking about that, and the more Heath development, so there's actually a lot going on behind the scenes at Villa, and we've got quite literally an expert next door to speak about it so we'll hand over to them at some point
0: pretty useless question for this episode so we'll move <laughs> on to the next what formation do you see us playing next season as links with Tammy Abraham could suggest two strikers this is from Kian um, my initial reaction to this was Villa probably won't change formation because Dean Smith's settled to play a certain way and will probably buy the players to suit his system rather than switch it up but as we've said many times before, if you do sign somebody like Tammy Abraham for 35, 40 million, whatever price it is for a top striker these days, how can you leave him or Ollie Watkins out and you're not going to push Oli Watkins out wide? So part of me feels like you won't see Villa sign a big striker because they won't play them both. But then if you do sign a big striker, you kind of have to play both because you've spent all that money. But then Villa don't seem like it's a switch formation. So. How do you assess the, the links to a striker?
1: Yeah, I don't see Villa going too up top just because they, you know, no, buy sorry. a striker. It's it's a weird one for me. If they if they buy two strikers, it seems like that 4-4-2 four, four, two or two strikers would be almost like a situational thing that they use, you know. It's like the Wolves game in a, the project restart when they put out you know Keenan Davis as a matter of from just because it seemed like the thing to do. It's not gonna be the basis of, of the start of Villa's next season if they buy another striker. I don't see them going too up top from the start. It'll be 4 or some variation of that that, uh, tri- that triple midfield that we've been using, so I can't see it changing, mate.
0: De Villa's initial low-ball bids for an unavailable Emil smith row show that we're gauging interest and options for potential Grealish replacement... Or are these moves we'd make regardless of Jack staying or going? This is from Jake Fenwickle. This is going to be the talking point of the summer, isn't it? Jack Grealish staying or going. If he goes, who are Villa going to sign to replace him? If he stays, people are going to say, why are we going for players in his position? In terms of Smith-Rowe, Wendia, players like that that we've been linked to. All along, it feels like Villa are buying players to support Jack Grealish starting in that side. But as David Hughes mentioned on a previous episode, it is smart by Villa because if Grealish does end up leaving, that are already looking that they need to have back up to him. Um, what's your stance on that? On, on Smith-Rowe, first of all, and then Grealish, which I'm sure will come on to it in other questions as well, because I'm pretty sure he's been mentioned once or twice.
1: It looks like it's really interesting because it's not just like a one-time thing or they're interested in making a bid. There's been something the one, that's made them yeah, go back for a second bid. It's like substance, so whether it's them replacing Jack Grealish or investing around Jack Grealish, either way, it's really, really, really smart because last season we had a situation where people are going, why well, can't we do anything about Jack Grealish in this season? You get, people are going, why are we trying to replace Jack Grealish? You've got to build for the future. And look, Villa aren't going to have Jack Grealish around for the next 15 years because he either leaves the club or he retires in an Aston Villa shirt. So his time in a Villa shirt is finite in that sense. So you have to make that move and look at the future. That's why you have an academy and players like Carney Chukwameka and Aaron Ramsey coming through. So you can kind of graduate and build and have that conveyor belt. Just to focus on Jack Grealish is a flaw because Mm. he can get injured. He's human. We saw it last season. Oh, yeah. So you, you need those options. That's why brendi has been brought in, and that's hopefully why uh, Smith-Rowe may be brought in. Again, that's a kind of difficult self for me because, you know, he's Arsenal's lad and they, they're looking at him as being the future. So whatever happens, there happens. But shows that Villa have been smart, and looking at the big floor of last season, the big flaw is you lost your best player, and you couldn't do anything without him until it was too late. Next season, if Touchwood, you know, he's injured, hopefully he's not injured, but if he's injured, you can go on and actually play some ball without him. I still think this ends with Smith Rowe
0: signing a new contract to Arsenal, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I think that's, honestly, that's not, you know it's, it's never in doubt. He's probably going to more than likely stay at Arsenal. But Villa's interest is very clearly there for all to see, which is, it's another level of target. You, you weren't looking, you know, at kind of scrapping bargains from Turkey and Belgium, you know, two years ago. And now you're looking at a genuinely big club that tried to leave the Premier League, not yeah. a few months ago and going, I want your, I want your top man. the, I want the guy who's going to be your top man soon. And I want him at our club.
0: Next question from John Mail. He says, what do you make of the lack of transfer rumours apart from Smith Rowe? Do you think they'll come out of nowhere a little bit like it did with Ashley Young? This feels like what a big, proper, successful club does in that you don't hear about their transfer rumours. That we're not linked to everyone, agents aren't leaking stuff, journalists aren't getting information from the club because they're doing things their own way, keeping their head down, going about their business. I prefer not to hear anything. I've said many times, I'm not bothered about transfer rumours. I'm not gonna scour scour social media and, and articles and podcasts all day looking for any slight bit of information because if it doesn't come to a fruition, it doesn't matter. I'll wait and see what the club officially announced before getting excited about a player or not. So if we don't hear about uh, a signing, then all of a sudden we go, oh, we've signed this guy from wherever for this amount. It's cool. It's happened now. Now let's look at it rather than pouring over the, the details of what might what might not happen of a transfer rumour for six weeks. So I'd be happy if we don't hear anything else from Villa and then we just book our business out of nowhere and say, here you go, we've signed this player.
1: Most transfer deals happen like that, don't they? To be fair, I mean, you, you do hear the, the sparks and rumours, but it's always kind of like you hear it and it's like, boom, it's happened. Like all of a sudden it comes out. It seems like it comes out of nowhere. And it speaks to me that like we're all digging for these little hints and that, and that, and, you know, going on the, what is it? A Re- replay fan club trying to find something. It's like, has a transfer deal ever been announced like that? And it's, yeah. it's no, have you ever found something that someone hasn't reported? And it's like, n- not really. And I, I say that coming from that background myself. It's very difficult to not be, you know, in that kind of journalistic cycle, come in and, and get something new. So it, it is hard because you see people like uh, in John Percy's comments going to announce it and it's it's not going to happen until it is announced. You know, it's not, I guess, reporters job to tweet and hint at stuff because people think there's little hints being, being plucked around about, you know, even a Jack created contract. When it's announced, hopefully it's announced it's announced and you know, all we can do is kind of wait and banter about it until then and feel helpless.
0: Our next question is back to Jack Grealish unsurprisingly. Uh, This question is from just Tom. He says, even if Grealish stays this transfer window, it may just be a matter of time until he goes to a quote top club unquote. Should we be building the team around him or realistically thinking about how we can become a top six club without him? It's an interesting point of conversation, isn't it? Because Yes, you don't want to be over-reliant on one player, but this one player is world-class. And while he's still contracted to your club, surely all you do is build around him.
1: There's a, a weird conversation about uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic in Sweden, and it was like how Sweden's players could breathe without that world-class player in the team they could express themselves and be be better footballers because they're not always thinking, oh my God, I've got a pass Does that, like, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I've got to nail the pass. I've got to do everything right. They're able to breathe a bit more and... That situation's kind of related to Villa. But when I see people saying, oh, Villa should definitely cash in on Jack Grealish and improve the squad. Yes, I trust Villa to be able to improve the squad with 100-odd million. But... He's Villas player to build around. They've signed him to a contract last season. What has changed? Yeah. You know, this contract was still 2025. What has changed for Manchester, him to suddenly go to Manchester City? They have improved since last season. The signs of progress. You know, the trend is that we'll be even better last season. It, you know, if we're being completely honest about things. So I don't know why people are trying to say, oh, he's a surefire move to Manchester City this season. Yeah, Dan, there's two paths he mm-hmm. can go to ever. For now, it's either stay at Villa or go to the one club that can afford him, and that's Man City. That's all it's going to be from now on. Uh, We're going to have to deal with this every summer. But so far, what we've been proven Dan, is that he'll stay at Villa because he did it last season. He did it the season before. He did it the season before that. So what we've seen is Jack Grealish is loyal to his club. He's loyal to the contract, and he won't go unless it's a massive, massive price, and he won't go without Villa say so. So... Win-win there, mate. I'll be waiting to clip that out on social
0: because this either goes one of two ways, doesn't it? The either other is announced as a Man City player in two or three weeks and we look very silly, or he signs a new deal and we go, look, we told you, what are you worried about? Um, it's interesting, isn't it? I think if this was this time last year, when Villa finished 17th, it feels like it would be difficult to persuade Jack Grealish to stay on and sell him a project, but they did that last year. They, whatever they told him last year when we finished 17th committed him to five more years at the club and obviously with that comes a big pay rise and all the things that come with with a new contract but whatever they told him last year is on course not to say that it's going to go and happen but like you said Villa showed signs of improvement to go from 17th to 11th I think it was and let's face it if Jack Grealish himself wasn't injured for 12 or 13 games we weren't miles away from the top six last year West Ham went from relegation battle the year before, straight up into Europe. So it's not impossible to say that Villa probably should have done that if he was fit for the whole season, we're, were just generally better at times. So like you said, nothing's changed from last year when he agreed to sign on to this year.
1: The problem you have is that Villa have an elite player, genuinely an elite player. And now, unfortunately, and I say this as a Villa fan, they're not an elite club, not yet. Yeah, not so yet. you have this issue where every single season, there's only one club he can move to until... Real Madrid and Juventus and Barcelona sort themselves out and their finances out. There's only one club in the world he can go to at his, you know, as he hits his peak and that's Man City. Now, every season, he's going to deserve to be paid more and more as long as he continues progressing and I don't see what would stop him. Mm. So, so that every season, you're going to have this cycle of Manchester City are interested in Jack Grealish. They have made a bid. Jack Creelish has been offered a new contract because that's the type of player he is. Villa have never been in this situation before, one who loves the club, but also a situation where they have to kind of put a new deal in every season just to pay him what he's worth, which is a difficult situation to be in. And As as long as Villa are a Premier League club, they can probably maintain that, but it breaks the squad structure, it breaks your pay structure, it breaks a lot of things. It's a brilliant problem to have actually because you know if he does go to Man City, I trust Villa to spend the money and build and I trust Villa to be a better club down the line but you you lose the guy who has dragged you here which is Mm. just you don't know what that future you don't know what you can see what the long term future might be that short term future is one that's really difficult for us to contend with
0: I was going to ask you about the pay structure because I've seen some bits on social media about that and how that if you kind of give in to Grealish's demands every year and double his wages or whatever every single season and keep giving him new deals. Other players in the squad are going to think, well, if Jack Grealish is on 200 grand and I'm on 40, I want 80 now. I want this, I want that. And all of a sudden you spiral out of control and you're paying everybody way more than they're worth just to keep Jack Grealish here. And I understand that that's a bad thing in football because you're going to start spending money way out of your means. The flip side of it says, Jack Grealish is so such an incredible talent that you can't have to keep him at any costs, and if that's all it takes to keep him here for the next two, three, four, five years, do you not just do that? Just give the man what he wants.
1: It's it's really hard because no player should be bigger than the club, but with Villa, you're a dangerous. You're you're in a dangerous position with a player as good as Jack Grealish and the level the club out at the moment because technically you you do have a player you might be a bit bigger in the club at the moment and you need that club to can then progress and meet that expectation. It, it is a difficult conversation about the dynamics of a squad, what you bring in. But again, I said this, this is the first time I, I think I'll say it. I, I've genuinely been, never been in a position in my life where I trust Villa to, to make the right call there. Like, mm. I don't think, if it comes to the fact that they have to break that structure every season just to keep, you know, Jack Grealish here, I trust them to make that decision. I trust them to, to make, do the right thing and I trust that you know, it's it's almost like the NFL and you have a salary cap and that quarterback who's usually your your top guy has to lower their contract demands just to build a good squad. If we progress and we're a constant top ten side, then a constant top six side. Maybe it gets to the point where those salary demands aren't always there and those contract demands aren't always there every season and we can be a bit safer about greedy really going into the second year or third year of a contract rather than the first and first and first. Um, but yeah, that's only if Villa progress and uh, have a good transfer window and uh, kick on next season. If
0: we're to his prime, we'll be 26 at the start of this season or, or at the beginning of this season. If he wants to win the Premier League, let's face it, Villa probably aren't going to win the Premier League in the next 10 years if we're being realistic. I know Leicester came out and I and did it and in theory anyone can do it. But oh unless I'm being massively pessimistic here, Villa aren't gonna win the Premier League in the next ten years. They might win a FA Cup or two, they might get into the Europa League and, and progress into the latter stage of that. They could get into the Champions League in the next ten years. If that's good enough for Jack Grealish, he stays at Villa. If that's what his ambitions are, if one FA Cup with Villa is good enough to go out and finish his career on, he'd say at Villa because that is achievable. If he wants to win five Premier League trophies in the Champions League in the next 10 years, in the last 10 years of his career, he's going to have to leave Villa and go, elsewhere swear to do it, and there's only Man City probably he can go and do that with. If that's his ambitions and only he will know that, then yeah, if a big comes in that's acceptable to Villa, he wants to leave because that's what his ambitions are, he'll go and that'll be that. Like I said, if he's willing to try and progress with Villa and get Villa back to the the top end of the Premier League and try and win stuff with us and one trophy or two or three or four trophies with us in the next 10 years is good enough, why would he go elsewhere? As a Villa fan, I know I'm not a footballer. I'm nowhere near as good as Jack Grealish, nowhere near as his his left toe. I've got no footballing ability. I would rather win one League Cup with Villa than 10 Premier Leagues with Manchester.
1: If you are a player of Jack Jack Grealish's calibre, you do want that glittering trophy cabinet ideally, I mean, he did win the the Hong Kong Soccer 7s and he's got a few, you know, he's got the FA Cup runners-up and the League Cup runners-up medals. And hopefully he'll have Euro 2020 uh, medal this season, which will will, uh, really help. But he's not, he is probably not going to get that with Villa. But he's the best-placed person to make that happen at Villa. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: Villa aren't going to win the Premier League in the next 10 years without Jack Grealish. They might not win it with him in the side, but the only chance they've got is to keep players like him.
1: The best thing in this situation is that time. I know he's, I said it, you, your time as a footballer is finite, but in this situation, he has. He does have time on his side. And look, he could get... I really hope this doesn't happen. Finger, you know, touch wood. You could get any footballer can go out on a pitch something can happen career over that we've seen that happen a number of times it's not it's a rare thing but it, it still can happen um but i guess the point is that he he could wait man city there's no harm in man city waiting a season there's no harm in jack Creative really waiting a season certainly no harm in villa waiting a season because from what we've shown, shown what we've seen he can only get better and his value can only improve and, you know, as clubs recover from the pandemic and their coffers improve, finances can hopefully for Villa improve to an extent where they're not just cutting off a hundred million They can go, what, you know, what are you going to pay to secure this player, one of the world's mm. best players? That's what we should be looking at.
0: We'll move on to another question. I think it's Jack Grealish related next. Um, Yeah, it's from Dalian McGuffey. He says, Is Jack Grealish actually replaceable at all? I've seen a lot of people or pundits say that Villa have to cash in. Does nobody truly realise how awful it will be if he leaves? As a fan, I understand his ambitions. I really do. But it puts us back years letting him go. No player will give you what he does. And that pretty much sums up the last 10 minutes of this podcast, doesn't it, really? I
1: think if he he goes, it it does damage Villa. But, as I said, I think this is the fourth time that I'm going to say. I've never been in a position like this where I think Villa can can build on that and build on that loss. But this is a new Villa. We've seen that they can make the right moves and they trust the right people and they have the right kind of process in place to improve. Again, Jack Rich was a massive part of getting those processes established and building the club to a point where it can actually think sensible. So I guess we have to... St- See how this season plays out, with or without Jack Wilshere. We can make that point. You are never going to know if he's replaceable until he goes. Mm. Looks like Villa are trying to put themselves in the best place possible, with or without him, by signing the players they have and being linked to the players that they've been linked to. So it is, you know, good to see that. Almost like Norwich when they lost Brendia they they they've made two really good, you know, Billy Gilmore's on linked on loan. he's you know he'd be a starting player in most Premier League teams. He's fantastic. Um, they bought our, our friend Milot Rashica. Uh can't pronounce his name as well. Another <laughs> one for the Cloud and Blue Highlight reel. But you know, instead of crying about the player they've lost, they've cashed in and moved on. That's football. Ideally, Villa aren't in that position, but I think now I think they'll make the best of it, to be honest.
0: Yeah, no, it could still be relegated yet, though. There hasn't been a ball <laughs> kicked with those players. Um the ideal world, well not the ideal world, but the ideal world if Villa do lose Jack Grealish is that they spend a hundred million and their team is better. As a whole, without him, than it was with him. Which sounds mental, given how how good he is. If somehow Villa's starting eleven is better without him because of the money they've spent, and Villa get into the top four next season, and Grealish goes to Man City, we'd all be going, "Well, yeah, we've we've lost an elite player, and I miss watching him. He's gone off to have success with and We got hundred million, and we're in the top four now. That's that's pretty good going. That's a good situation for Villa. That's an improvement on last year by an absolute country mile. The downside to that go is that he, if he does go. But they probably aren't going to replace the standard of player, and if their team is worse because of it, and we've spent 100 million and gone backwards and get relegated, it's an absolute footballing disaster. So. The ideal position is Villa keep hold of Jack Grealish for the rest of his career. Villa win trophies and we 't <laughs> live happily ever after. Should <laughs> so we move crossed. on to another question that's probably not Jack Grealish related? Fingers crossed. It's about the badge. It's from a guy oh, called Daniel. It's not me. He says, do you think we will change... Wrong comma there, but we'll, we move. Do you think we will change the badge in the near future because the current Dr. Tony slash Randy Lerner badge is not even predominantly carrot, claret, carrot and it represents a dark era under those owners. Nassif Sawaris, and Wes Eden deserve their own badge. Thoughts on the badge? Do you care? <laughs> oh, I don't really care.
1: one's <laughs> well, alright that we've got. I mean, I didn't like it at first because they made the big deal of a badge change. It was just, you didn't do badge. much, did you? Yeah. Um, right. well, to be fair, can you cut the round badge from what we've seen? Can you really call that claret? Because it was a bit... Yeah, you know, it, it looked a bit vomity to me. Oh, it's starting a
0: war, here. Yeah. What is claret? What is proper claret?
1: Yeah, we this is we planned that for one of our first episodes of claret and blue. We've never done it. What is Villa's uh, yeah, actual yeah. claret? Yeah. yeah <laughs> what I've is Villa's actual claret? Because it's sometimes purple, sometimes red, sometimes <laughs> burgundy, and one time Royal Magenta, which is just you know madness.
0: Everyone, everyone's got their own thoughts towards the badge, haven't they? Which is often guided by their favourite era as a club of uh, what, what Villa meant to them growing up, usually. I don't mind the badge we've got now. I think it's perfectly fine. I think it, there's a big line. It's got AVFC on it. Some people would rather have Aston Villa rather than the initials. I like the shape. I don't really care for a round badge, colours or whatever. It's a it's a light blue badge on a claret shirt. and more often than that. If it was a yeah. claret badge on a claret shirt, you wouldn't see it.
1: I don't think... <laughs> I know I know what I mean about Zier and Lerner. Um, yeah, but, but is it?
0: do you think of Tony Joe and Randy Lerner when you see the badge? I
1: don't. I nah, think of Aston I... Villa. I wouldn't pin badges to owners because we not long ago spoke about a club probably being bigger than the club. The owner should definitely not be bigger than the yeah. club. Oh, I've, I've, been, yeah. not,
0: I've not even thought about Dr. Tony since he left the club. That's the first, same there today, for the first actually, time. Right? I've not even thought about him. I don't look at the badge every day and think, oh, Dr. Tony.
1: I did think about him today, Dr. Tony. I literally... Also,
0: you mentioned Dr. Tony. Didn't that, that era make it slightly better by removing them prepared and making the line bigger or something?
1: Yeah, they I said like they, they gave reason. I don't agree with the reasonings, but they gave right reasonings while I did it, which is, you know, a step up above anything else I did in that era. yeah, um, but, yeah. I'd have I'd have Austin Villa back and I'd have prepared back because that is just two things that have been not a constant in club's history. They've been there and they represent the club and you know, you have your outline badge, the round badge, of course, as a big departure and a, a key part of a lot of fans' identity with the club. But I, I I would have Aston Villa prepared because it is, if, to me, that is my round badge having that stuff on on the badge.
0: We'll move on. Do you think our squad is now on par with Arsenal and Spurs? For me, if Harry Kane leaves Spurs, we have a stronger first eleven than them. This is from Danny Band. How do you think our squad ranks up to those European Super League giants?
1: That's a great question, by the way. It is a
0: very good question. I've not prepared an answer for it, which is welcome
1: to know. <laughs> but Villa don't have anyone better than Kane. Fair enough, if Kane leaves Man City, but do Villa have anyone better than a uh, Son? No, they don't. You know what I mean? They mm, it depends on what. Grealish it... is like I think better, but like you, you Villa don't have a Kane and a son, is what I'm trying to say. Like a Grealish and a Buendia? That yeah, but he a has Garela a. Grealish play- and a Watkins? As as hyped as uh, Wendy has been, he hasn't played a minute of uh, Premier League yeah, football for Villa. But He's starting to play the other side it, of the coin. It's a good point. And I think Spurs' squad would be so much better if they had a, an actual football manager in, <laughs> at the club right, you <laughs> know, for the last season or so. And, and were happy, as happy as Villa are, to play football. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, that's the important
0: thing. Looking at those, I think I'm trying to like go through the squads in my head of who compares to who, and I can't think of all the players of both those sides compared to Villa. But I think if I was looking at the future of the clubs, I'd rather be in Aston Villa's position than Arsenal and Spurs. Yeah, Arsenal yeah. And Spurs might break into the top four again next season, but Spurs are looking an absolute mess. Arsenal, Arsenal—they've been a club in decline for years, pretty much. I don't—I've got no feelings toward Arsenal at all. I'd much rather be in Aston Villa's position, you know, coming and rising yeah. up than them to seemingly dropping down.
1: Yeah, Villa are in this good position where you can kind of just... you. It's almost like a free hit at Spurs and Arsenal. You know, all yeah. of those big six clubs where you can... You know, Spurs and Arsenal, they've been trying to be on the up for ages and now it's like they've had a stall and it's like what comes next and there's a bit of panic and anxiety whereas... Almost at Villa, the only anxiety you've got is about your best player leaving, not your your club falling from the pecking order. You know what I mean? Um, as to the squad question, I think it's you could line up each player and make a massive debate about it, and you know you could argue the toss for both. The question is, and it goes back to what we just said. I would much prefer being a Villa player because I'd be very happy to play for Aston Villa. Whereas Arsenal yeah. and Spurs seems like they're in a massive churning transition at the moment. You saw Villa and Spurs last season. No, no Spurs players looked buzzing to be there. They did. They looked terrified of being in that shirt. Which is, you can be the best player in the world. You can be a Harry Kane, you know, and you feel like that. You're not going to be performing for a period of time. You're going to be out of form. Whereas at Villa, I think you your best place to to be a, a better player.
0: Iwab says, do Villa need to be challenging for top six this season or is any sort of progress good? Now, I can't remember what Villa finished on last season. Was it 55 points in the end? Yeah. Um, so technically 56 points is progress. I would say that isn't good enough. I think it has to be considerable progress. I don't know whether, I suppose it's the context of how you don't make the top six in that situation. If it's top six or nothing, obviously top six is is a massive success. If you drop down to seventh on the final day of the season on goal difference, I wouldn't then say the season was an absolute disaster. So, yes, top six at all costs to some extent, um, but I can't just say that progress better than 55 points is is good enough because it could be that you end up on 56 in 12th place next season if it's really competitive, and in that case, you've gone backwards. So, yeah, we'll have to have to really push for top six next season for me.
1: Yeah, I think the, the progress... That we won the seas, that European competition, and probably not going to be Champions League. But Europa Conference League, Europa League, it's there in my eyes for the taking with the progress Filler has shown. Naturally, it was, it, the trajectory is there for them Land right in the middle of those spots. Probably realistically, it's not always going to be that upward curve. It bounces off, and then it's going to be, a, Dean Smith said, it's going to be harder now to break in to those European places than it was to jump from 17th to 11th, which. Yeah. It's a massive, massive jump. You've only got to get five odd places to get in the top six from eleven, whereas you know you've got to get six or eight from 18, 17 So yeah, well, that bottom half of the Premier League is a lot worse standard, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, but, it's a
0: five points jump up from seventeenth.
1: Like you say, it's a context. If we finish eleventh next season, and the reason we finish eleventh is because we missed, a, we lost out a point, and there was everyone on fifty-seven points, and we were a point behind because of some mad yeah. game in January. I'm not going to be crying, you know. Let's, it's not a be all and end all. If you finish sixth by goal difference, massive. You know, if you finish on 55 points and you're sixth because of goal difference, yes, exactly, that's, yeah. that's progress. But I think you judge it by the points. Can you get more points than you did last season? If we do, yeah. fine. But It's all the context, though, as you say, Dan.
0: Yeah, we'll move on. Next question. Um, this is from Pablo1066. He says, apart from keeping Jack, what do you consider is the most pressing on the pitch requirement? Um, I think I mentioned this in the previous episode. I want a big, strong no-nonsense holding midfielder. I don't know who yeah. that is. I feel that's the position that progresses Villa again.
1: Yeah, I, I like what marvellous Nakambra has done. Probably didn't have the chance to play loads and loads of football last season, um, but I just see Douglas Luiz as a bit more of an advanced midfielder than uh, the than He plays in a, in a free for, uh, for Brazil and for uh, Aston Villa, you see him kind of get more into advanced positions. He's no attacking midfielder, but he's someone kind of, you know, probably a bit more of a box-to-boxer, boxer, you know, a playmaker rather than the the defensive midfielder, um, the ball-winning midfielder. Aston Villa, you want someone more in the mould of Nakamura, I think, but a better version, and I think that takes Villa to the ne- that helps take Villa to the next level if they can get a ball-winning midfielder of a certain calibre.
0: Got any names? I feel like I've asked you this before. <laughs>
1: I've got a sticker. Let's get Steven in Zonzi. Oh, <laughs> hey, yeah. Just flick through some random stickers. If yeah, you, find you want, uh, you well, want to then... pick a
0: random one? And this is... <laughs> no matter the position. Me, no, see. And I'll pick one at random. We'll see who it is. And that's okay. Villa and so, on.
1: so no matter the position, this is Villa's defensive midfielder. Yeah, even if you pick a goalkeeper. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Oh,
0: God, how am I going to define it? I want the one that you're like ring fingers on. God, miss me.
1: This, this is the one you picked. Oh, it's Scott McTominay.
0: Oh. Uh.
1: Uh, I mean, would that be a
0: nah like
1: mate I saw like him you, you thought Conor Harahan was hiding from passes not you Dan but people <laughs> thought this geezer was a shadow he was hiding behind John McGinn nah no thanks
0: <laughs> alright fair enough uh, next question this question's from Aaron Gillespie this is a very interesting one actually I, I kind of wanted to end on this but we're not going to <laughs> do you think there will be major pressure on Dean Smith to deliver European football if Jack Grish stays do you see him getting the sack if this does not happen that's quite a loaded question. And again, I feel like there's context required for this one because, like we said, if we miss out on the last day of European football, you don't then sack Jack, uh, sack Jack Rouge, sack Dean Smith. If we're miles off the pace and we're sitting down in 15th January, then yeah, questions are going to be asked over the manager because that's absolutely going to not do you any progress on the previous season. Um, but it does feel like if Villa are selling a project to, to Jack Rouge to stay, Dean Smith feels like a big part of that to take us forward. So, I'm not going to say you don't sack him at any cost because, like I said, if you do fail next season, then you are going to have to make some kind of changes. But whether it's Europe or nothing, depends on the context of what it takes for us to get there, if that makes any sense.
1: Well, Villa's owners aren't any slouches at all. If 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 it is the manager that is holding the club back or the head coach, that would absolutely pull the trigger. There would no doubt in my mind he would be gone. But there's actually... I don't know if you've been paying notice of kind of the football world at large, or especially the Premier League in the last few weeks. Tottenham, uh, Everton and Crystal Palace thought they were on a good thing to uh, find an ex match and they've had to settle for what seems to be their seventh or eighth choice each yeah. to be the manager of the club, which is just not a good position to be in. Um, Palace have hired Patrick Vieira, uh, one of my favourite all-time footballers, but as a manager, there's still doubts over him. Um, Tottenham look like they're going to go back in for Nuno, which is just doesn't seem to fit in with the identity of their club at all and seems a really, really strange thing to do and Everton have hired Rafa Benitez, which is a brilliant signing if he wasn't their version of Alex McLeish. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, I trust Villa with a lot. I don't trust him to c- suddenly be on top of the, the football managerial market all of a sudden. That's a very big risk to take and Villa can be safe for a while and, you know, everyone knows I'm a massive Dean Smith fan but that doesn't come at the expense of the football club's progression if he's actively holding a club back and I don't think he is. You go, but we're nowhere near that conversation as of June 2021, thankfully. Um, but yeah, Villa will pull the trigger, absolutely no doubt. But it's a bit of a, a weird conversation to have. I think we have to give him the trust. You know, every season's a new season. He's no Steve Bruce. You know what I mean? We, we've progressed under him and he deserves the uh, the chance to have a, a blank slate at the start of the season because he's got us this far.
0: From Doug Ellis Stand, he says, What do you think about the narrative being portrayed that Jack Grealish works better as a super sub rather than a starter? I put a tweet out before England yesterday, which I should have wrote my lesson by this point, that reacting to team news in either way is silly because the result is king at the end of the day. We saw that and you get all this talk about where do you fit Sancho in? Where does Gruz play? Can Grealish and Mount play on the same side? And the ultimate question, the ultimate answer to that question is you don't play any of them. You just start them all on the bench. And I looked at that and I thought, Christ, this team's very defensive. How is at least not two of those players starting? But then you go and beat Germany and, and break history and winning a, a first knockout round since 1966 or whatever the stat was. And you think, well, oh, yeah. Good decision. So I'm a little bit bored of this narrative of, of having a player come off the bench and going, well, when it's tired legs, this great player can come on because if he's such a great player, they should be starting. You don't put Lionel Messi on the bench and bring him off in the last 10 minutes when everyone's tired. I know that's a massively extreme case because it's Lionel Messi, but any good player at any club starts every game. So I don't know why it's suddenly different for international football to go, yeah, well, Jack Grealish is a top, top player, but just play 15 minutes instead when everyone else is tired. Like, if he's that good, play him every game. That applies to Sancho, Foden whoever it is for that situation so I'm a little bit bored of this this narrative as a whole the players are better off the bench if they're good enough start them but then I'm proven wrong by Villa, uh, by Villa by England going and beating Germany and you have to sit there and go well Southgate clearly got it right then I think.
1: He has a plan doesn't he I think the least you can say is he has a plan and that's to kind of control the pitch and it's almost like watching the other club of a team sorry uh I'm still in Villa mode they're watching <laughs> the other team kind of suffocate and I don't like the. Everyone knows the kind of football I like. If you watch me play football, make sure I play with like one centre back. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you know the football I want to see, um, and that's at odds with the way England want to play a game. Southgate says there's a way to win a tournament, and you've seen the exciting teams get blown away or drop out of this this year. As I think, you know, and you you've seen that there's no easy tournament games as well. Yeah, you know, you only have to ask France and Germany. You know, they can play all the good football they wanted. They can fight through the group stages and the most exciting games are. You know, the tournament's potentially ever seen. They are not going to win Euro 2020 and England have a chance, which is, it throws a lot of your doubts and arguments into the air and it makes you question your thinking, look, I want to see England play with a handbrake off. Does that put them out of danger of exiting against Ukraine? Potentially, because Ukraine Mm. could sit back, get them on the counter, one nil. that could be it then for England, who just are really allergic to scoring goals and and (laughs) attacking with with stalls. So you have to balance it out. Look, I think we all want to see Jack Grealish start because we can. We've seen what he does in an England shirt in ten minutes. <laughs> what yeah. could he do in, in when he when he's trusted? Um, what he does, even when he's not touching the ball, is he allows players like Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling to succeed because he's got gravity. Players gravitate towards him. You had three people on Sterling, which caused a lot of frustration yesterday. He did it the best he could under the situation. When Grealish comes on, players can't just focus on Raheem Sterling; they get dragged everywhere by Jack Karilish and that opens up chances. Yeah, But in a tournament, um, we want to see him starting, but there's a role as an impact sub. Uh, is a more important role as a substitute than during the season when you're just changing out tired legs. It's having an impact on a tired game um, and it can be part of a game plan. If Jack Karilish is part of Gareth Southgate's thinking, it's a better position than he was in a, a year ago. Yeah, that's true.
2: Did you see what Southgate said about him after the game? With Jack, as with a few others, we've, we've just got to make sure that we maximise what's possible and you know with him and Hendo who came in into the game they both missed 14, 14 weeks of the season. These games are unbelievably intense with and without the ball you've got to really go and um, beyond the intensity that he had at the end of the season with his club we've got all that data we know we know the level of the game, but we also know that he's a really special talent and he can have a big impact as he did. So it's a it's a conversation I actually had with him yesterday. And, you know, it's very hard with forward players. We've got so many good attacking options and it's hard to give them all the love they need. You know, as a forward, you need to feel that love and their their acceptance and understanding of Needing to be patient, needing to wait for their moments right across the board with Marcus, with Jaden, with uh, Dominic, with Jack. They're, they've really understood, they've sacrificed themselves for the group. And it's only by doing that throughout that you, that you, get, a, um, you get to the stages we are. Last night there were six changes in both the teams that won, I think. Um, so over half the team, everybody's got to be ready and that's going to be more and more important as we get to the, the, the latter stages of the tournament.
0: So I'm not like kind of torn here with with the whole gruelish thing because there's a Villa fan and my Villa fan head on and my, taking away my England fan head for a sec, which up until... We beat Germany. I was still in the camp of, oh, i bothered about England anyway. If I got in the group stage, I'd kind of point to them and go, well, I told you so. You should have played Jack Grealish. I've been put, my point has been proven now. Um, but now they're succeeding and doing well. I'm fully in the on the England train. I want them to go win the tournament, obviously. But I can't kind of get out of my head that Jack Grealish should be playing every game because I know he's that good. England are doing well without him. So I kind of see Southgate's point to an extent. I didn't think I'd ever sit on this podcast and say that I agree with Southgate. And I don't think I even fully do. But I understand that the squad is, is more of a squad game than it is in the Premier League match, like you just said. Because Reeves can come on. And we've It's not that like he's won us the game, even though he did set up the second goal. But we did it did look different when he came on. He did affect the game. It changed the way that Germany had to defend against us. So Jack Greers playing 15 minutes effectively gets us through to the quarterfinal, whereas if he started, maybe, maybe we do go on to lose that game because we, we play and set up differently. So from an England perspective, I want them to go and win every game now. If Jack Grealish doesn't play, I kind of have to go, well, fair play, Gale because you've won us the tournament, even though Grealish hasn't played. And my selfish Villa fan head to go so I want Jack Grealish to play every game and lift the trophy and be the captain because he's that good that he deserves to do all those things I don't know if it's without him though I mean no yeah but I thought he'd start every game I thought he yeah. had to start every game for England to even get this far I didn't think we stood a chance against Germany before kickoff. when we see that you're not playing any of your creative players you think oh this is it England go out in the last 16 to Germany as always but you go and win everyone's in a great mood and Grealish does play his part I just didn't think they'd be able to do it without him
1: the, the role he has as is- a I guess the narrative that he's an impact sub is because he's a brilliant player. You know, you wouldn't be in it. You'd just be a substitute without the word impact in front of it as obvious as it sounds, but you got to look at these teams and they've played a whole match. And then Jack Carillo comes on in the 60th minute and you're like, what do we do now? And yeah. you know, teams don't, it, the evidence is, we have is that a team doesn't like Germany doesn't even have an answer for it because they have to devote resource to covering him resource that they've, Used to nullify Villa, um, England's over attacking threat, Raheem Sterling. So, look, are we all wanting to start? At least he's in Southgate's thinking, and I think that's what we all really want is him to be mm. in that picture.
0: The final question of this podcast—it's it's gone on far too long, and we—you we, can tell that we're getting tired now because we keep saying Villa every time we mean England. But it's, it's going to happen. Fair final difference. question from Holly Jen eighty six. She says, "Is football coming home? And if it is, if it is, how do I get my boss to give me the Sunday evening off?" Join a
1: union, Holly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Two very different answers there. I'll just call it six. Oh, I've got, got COVID. I can't, can't come in. I've got have 10 days off to celebrate winning the Euros.
1: Your boss has got to sort you out there. No oh, offense, surely
0: surely, your boss is going, have the day off. If England are in the final of Euro 2020 with a chance of winning it, everyone should just get a day off.
1: Yeah, I don't want to see a BnQ and q co-op.
0: Yeah, you know, TK no one's Max. going out there.
1: McDonald's, don't open. No <laughs> stay, point. No, stay short. You know, you, you'll recover. You'll be fine.
0: Is football coming home?
1: Yeah, I think I think he's got a good chance, mate. You got to take the game seriously. Like you can't just go, "Oh, we'll beat Ukraine and then we'll beat either Denmark and Czech Republic and we'll definitely beat Portugal, or Belgium, whoever <laughs> make the final." Got to so take it seriously because look at uh, France, who f- probably yeah. thought there might be a chance of winning it. Best one of the best players in the world misses the penalty, and that's it. You don't get uh, you don't get to retake it. You're, you're done. Bye that's that's how brutal it is yeah
0: so we'll call it a day there with england winning the euros as we've we've mentioned there that that's happening now so look forward to that and get you get your day off booked in advance because that is definitely happening and i look forward to doing this podcast again next week when it is in ukraine have knocked us out and england are a laughing stock but we'll talk about that when it happens uh james thank you very much for, for joining me it's been a pleasure as always
1: cheers thanks for having me on up the villa what you say yeah. to england up the england uh Oh, that's a good question, actually. I don't know. <laughs> Just say it's coming. It's coming home. That's what you say. <laughs> this is the
0: worst ending to a podcast we've ever done. By the way, uh, thanks to everybody who got involved sending in their questions. As I said, we've had loads come through. There's a link below this podcast wherever you're watching or listening to it, where you can send in your questions, and we'll get to them in a future episode. Thanks to Gal Southgate for appearing on the podcast as well. If you want to come on and do an interview at some point, that'd be great. <laughs> Thank you very much for watching, and we'll catch you again in a few days. Up the um, <laughs> Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed Today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa.